0: If you enjoyed the channel and our video content and would like to support us, you can do this in a couple of ways. You can sign up to our Patreon site which is a monthly subscription to one of our four tiers, each giving you something different from early access interviews up to exclusive unseen footage. There's also the option of a one-off donation via PayPal which allows you the option to donate an amount of your choice. Both options really help to keep this channel going and to continue putting out regular content for you good folk. So please take a look at aircurrentreview.tv forward slash donate and I thank you in advance. Thank you and enjoy. And obviously we talked about your Horn exchange in the previous episodes, but uh, did uh, being a QFI help you get onto the exchange?
1: It did. So the reason I took the job at Valley, or I, I, I applied for it, um, I, I said I'd, I didn't want to spend two, two years in the sim on the Tornado F3. That is true. But a lot of exchanges were going from TAC weapons posts. And I thought if I, if I want to get an exchange, this will be my best Opportunity of uh, uh, to do it, so uh, it took a bit of pain of going to Valley, you know, and uh, and becoming a, an instructor, and uh, and it worked out. I mean, the first time in my life, uh, my life plan had, had worked out. Got offered the exchange onto the Hornet. It's a multi-role uh, aeroplane. And bearing in mind, I'd spent, I'd been not great at ground attack, uh, good enough to pass the course, you know, when I was a student. Three years solid then of doing air defence, and then mostly teaching the air combat side, um, but teaching some low level. As I got into teaching more low level and then ground attack, we used to call them SAP uh, trips, simulated attack profile, pair of aeroplanes out into the low level uh, system, two dive attacks on, on, uh, or simulated bombing attacks on uh, targets out in the low level system and then leading your pair back and then being bounced by another aeroplane mm. as if they're an enemy fighter, that's quite a big build up for an instructor let alone a student and all of those SAP trips that I did just helped me uh, think to myself uh, I, I should be able to do this multi-role stuff. Predominantly it's going to be air to air and that's uh, that's where I'm, I'm hopefully good at but I have no worries doing the ground attack stuff, or less worries than I would have done having gone straight from a phantom front line. Um, the only thing I was, uh, I was bricking it about was close air support, because that's, right. that's the ultimate intense Ground attack, dropping live weapons close to your yeah. your own troops. That's the only thing I was I was, I was bricking it a little bit, yeah. thinking, "Crikey, how the hell am I going to do that?" <laughs> and then I've, I've uh, like I said, I said on the the last time I spoke to you, I've always had this little bit of imposter syndrome that maybe I'm not good enough. Well, wow, now I'm going out to fly multi-role aeroplane um, representing my air force and my country abroad. Oh God, here we go. You know, and all the stuff comes back up. But then I thought come on Tug, it's California. Yeah. You know, uh, d- d- have a bit of, uh, a bit of enthusiasm and, and stuff and managed to just push that imposter thing uh, down. Yeah, Absolutely. but, but the, um, the ground attack stuff I did at Valley definitely helped. It helped, might not have helped at all. I might have been more than capable of doing it. It just helped me upstairs a little bit.
0: Absolutely. And when you won your Hornet exchange, did you report back to Valley saying, oh, maybe we could do this better or anything like that? Did they want any information?
1: Uh, no, no. I was too busy raging around in a hornet or being on the beach, uh, Mike. And even if they had asked me, I wouldn't have, uh, yeah, I wouldn't whatever. have bothered. Yeah. Now, the the, the the idea with the exchange is you immerse yourself fully, and then when you come back, you get a, a debrief on on what uh, anything that you think they do better than us, what should we incorporate? Um, you know, there's not. Uh, we're not. Telling tales about weapons and and stuff like that. It's just a, it's just an exchange, just as the Americans do when they come uh, uh, when they come back to uh, to us. But at the time, no, I was I was a marine and I was in California and and that was Living it. The dream. air force. Well, the air force are kind of um, I wouldn't say they've forgotten about me, but you know I wasn't part of the Royal Air Force at that at that point.
0: So, do you have any memorable stories from your time as a QFI?
1: Yeah, I. I um, Uh, memorable or (laughs) yeah (laughs) once you can
0: share on camera at least (laughs)
1: Uh, almost uh, had two students almost kill me Almost killed myself uh, through my own stupidity. It's the most shameful thing I've ever done in a uh, in an aeroplane, uh, and almost killed a student by pushing them too far. So it's probably four stories that uh, uh, that we could do. Um, I think uh, one of them relates to one of the questions that you you've sent me through. So I was flying uh, a low level mission. We were doing high, low, high into Scotland. One of those trips that I told you about and I was flying with a guy who was coming back through the system. He'd gone through the system, Mike, he got his wings on the hawk and he was so good, he got creamed off. Do you know, mm. the, the, the creamy, creamy system. Yeah. If you're really, really good through training, some people got creamed off to go straight back to be an instructor. And the idea is you've got younger people being instructors and they should have much more empathy with the students because they've just uh, they've just been there. Double-edged sword. If you were a creamy, it meant that you were best on your course. But some creamies ended up going back to fly the Tucano, mm, which yes. after flying the Hawk is a bit of a slap in yeah. the chops. Those that went back to fly Hawk, um, or oh, in fact, in in my day, it wasn't Tucano, That guys would go back to fly Jet Provost. Wow. Yeah. So, uh, like half the speed of, of what the hawk uh, had done. So, um, like I said, I, I was never going to trouble the uh, the creamy uh, creamy core, of <laughs> course. Uh, so, uh, so lucky me. Uh, but I flew with this creamy ex creamy, and he'd been he'd been on jet provost. Now, most of the time, the creamies, when you go back to that stage of flying, that's basic flying training, it's called. You get very little stick time, and you're in an aeroplane that does. 240 knots as opposed to 420, so they're going to doll off a little, uh, a little bit. Um, but we still expect them to be able to perform better than your average student. They've got it, this guy must have had wow, 800 hours in his logbook, I guess. Wow. You know, quite a lot. Yeah. Um, maybe even more. Anyway, I flew a low-level uh, uh, trip with him. We went high-low into uh, into Scotland. He was a really quiet, uh, quiet guy and he didn't really have much in the way of personality and he was a little bit, uh, you know, kind of dull and almost Miserable uh, a lot of the time and um, so I I I was quite an early instructor at this point So I I didn't recognize any other signs. I just thought he was a bit of a you know, and uh, that was that That's why he wasn't talking in the cockpit turns out He was completely and utterly maxed out and he shouldn't have been because he you know He did this this was bread and butter when he was teaching so uh, we were we were down in uh, in the low level at Scotland and uh, The weather wasn't great which for an instructor is a good thing, it means that the student has to deal with stuff. Um, when it runs on rails, when the whole thing runs on rails and the weather's beautiful, we have to inject stuff like saying, right, you've just had a bird strike, what are you going to do? Well, on this trip I didn't need to, because the weather was uh, a big enough problem for, us to, for him to have to deal with. Not insurmountable though, it, was, it, it wasn't completely socked in. Anyway, w- uh, on route, uh, we've got a, a wall of cloud uh, ahead of us, so his route is blocked, which means he has to do some off-track navigation. Great, I'm, I'm not going to throw in a bird strike now because let's just see how he, how he does it. He does the right thing, he goes off route, uh, does all the timing uh, right, parallels the route, and we are faced with another wall of cloud. Hey, you know, that's, uh, that's, what, that's what happens. What I expect him to do here, is uh, either pull up and go over it or turn around and abort you know we've tried to go off track it's not worked therefore we'll call it a day and go back what I didn't expect him to do was fly headlong into the cloud at low level Uh, and it was I, I was I guess I wasn't on the top of my game. I'm flying with a creamy, should be great. You know, I've got my thumb up my backside uh, and you know, I'm starting to take an interest when the weather gets uh, gets bad. And um, I just flew straight into cloud at low level. Mm. And uh, it was it was the most shocking thing uh, that had happened to me as an instructor up to that point. I grabbed hold of the stick, yanked it. We, we used to have an, a low level abort procedure, you slam the throttle. You, to 30 degrees nose up at 4G and you just hope uh, that um, that you're uh, going over the top of the hard stuff that's the other side of the cloud and uh, I just shouted I have control and, uh, and uh, abort it out and I thought what the hell's wrong, what the hell's wrong with this guy, you know he used to teach this stuff, he was completely and utterly maxed out and I, I didn't twig it. So, uh, kind of pointed us back to uh, back to base. He never spoke in the copy. You know, he wasn't a particularly—he was quite an introverted guy. So, everything's kind of adding up uh, here. I, I gave him control to bring us back to uh, to Valley, but God, I was on my guard, and my hands were over the controls the whole the whole time because it it really. Uh, put the uh, the willies up me a bit and then uh, we landed it's the first time I'd failed a trip on a on a student wow. and he was a creamy as well and and you know that's absolutely unheard of poor guy got chopped he didn't make it to the fast jet front line now the idea with the creamy is they're so good yeah. they can take three years out to be an instructor and then they breeze back through yeah. most of them go harrier because they're so good yeah and uh, he got chopped yeah it was it was shocking really
0: and obviously, as an instructor, do you have to wait till the last minute to be like, please, going to do the right thing? Or, do you, or can, you, can you actually tell them, saying like, okay, you can pull up now, or do you just have to leave them be?
1: There's a, there's a balance to be had, right. uh, Mike. And early doors, uh, which I never really did the early QFIing uh, trips, um, instructors would step in a lot sooner. Um, right. And then as they get more and more experienced, you can allow the thing to develop a little bit, a uh, little bit further. But there's always that, uh, always that balance. I could have, maybe should have, said, ah, let's just abort here. He was so experienced, I would have expected him to do that right. anyway. Just got it wrong. You know, I got it wrong, and um, and here we are, and and we're talking about it now, and it's a bit, uh, bit of a story. I flew with another student, who um, again, a, a golden pair of hands. Uh, He was the best on his course. He was just starting to get a little bit of, you know, I'm I'm finding this dead easy and um, I won't tell you the full story, but um, I I definitely should have stepped in earlier with this guy. Uh, We were doing a flapless circuit, so Mm -hmm. uh, simulating the flaps have failed. We don't have as much lift. Therefore we have to have more speed and we have to be a bit more gentle around finals. And if we're doing circuits, you know, like the roundabouts in the sky, you need to be a bit wider when you're, uh, when you're downwind. Otherwise, you know, the finals turn is too tight. So anyway, he was flying these circuits. He's flying them better than I uh, than I was able to. Usual story, you know, it all sounds familiar. Always sounds, sounds familiar. It's like every student was better than I was. And, um, and I, I just looked down and I thought, wow, this, the circuit is a bit tight. Now, had I been with a a much less experienced guy, this was towards the end of the course, I'd have just said, oh, chuck this one away uh, because I wouldn't have trusted him. But I just thought, "Oh well, we'll let him tip into finals. He'll have to go round because he won't be able to make the corner. And uh, I'll be able to use that as a debriefing point afterwards, you know, not quite as good as you think you are. Yeah. Just ease back on the the big I am thing. And um, anyway, we, we tipped into finals and he stalled. He stalled the aeroplane. Wow. Uh, so uh, <laughs> that was another uh, moment where I, I just took control, um, dumped some flap down, um, eased off the angular bank and, and we pulled away and we, we bottomed out at about 300 feet. Mm. And um, and he, I don't think he realised how bad the whole thing was until we got into the, the debrief um, afterwards. Yeah, so those are the <laughs> two bits where my students uh, uh, nearly killed me. Don't get me wrong. Um, I'd only been an inst- I'd only been a student myself four years previous to. Starting on the hawk again. I, I was a bit more experienced in uh, in that second story But um, I, I was making those mistakes as well I wasn't making them because I was arrogant though I was making them because I was crap, you know, and there's a difference between yeah. the between the two I think so There's the that's the delicate balance. When do you step in? Yeah. if you think when we teach air combat Mike, we we we, we separate out by a couple of three miles at two or three miles uh, the hawk is that big out of the window and we rage towards each other with 800 knots of closure. Now the delicate balance here is I'm teaching a guy or girl for the first time doing this. From the back seat I can see a pinprick which is this hawk. Mm. I've got to try and stop them from crashing into that aeroplane but in such a way that we don't destroy their confidence, that's where all the balance is with uh, with instructing um, and you just have to think about four years ago it was me in the front raging towards somebody I now kind of understand why some of those instructors were saying the things that they said.
0: So overall did you enjoy your time as an instructor?
1: I loved it, I absolutely uh, uh, loved it I, maybe I wouldn't have loved it so much if I'd have been posted back to Takano so the hawk made uh, made flying a joy. And then for the first six months of my time as an instructor, I probably wasn't a great instructor. I think there was then maybe two years where I was at the top of my game. And then the final six months, I was just getting a bit frustrated that no matter how much I pre-briefed students, they still made those mistakes. And I think a lot of instructors go through that that process. We, we're desperate for them not to make the mistakes that we know they're going to make through that experience. But what you have to get into your head is they do have to make those mistakes. You can't you can't teach all of that out. Let them make a mistake, and then it's really powerful uh, learning tool uh, when they do, and they and they tend not to to do it again. So. Um, that's that that's what I'd, I loved seeing somebody who wasn't very good, like me, get a posting at the end of it like I did and yeah, and that imagine. that was the that was the biggest thing with uh, with teaching. plus the fact I'm teaching exercises that I adore doing. I adored doing one v one combat and two v one combat and flying around at low level, even if I wasn't touching the stick. Uh, during the, there's some trips that didn't touch the stick at all, but I'm, I'm just, you know, that because the student is so into getting a kill in air combat, well I'm, I'm going to be up with them uh, like that and that, that's what I loved about it. I mean, you kind of answered this one, but we got a
0: question from one of our patrons here, uh, Joan Kun- Kunzler. Uh, did you have to take control of the hawk for a student struggling in low level?
1: Yeah, so that that uh, that, that story about flying into cloud at low level, that's... The, I had to take control uh, of a student uh, because oh. something dangerous is happening. I did take control from one other student at low level. Um, just because, and, it, and this is the thing, he's another great guy. He was my first pet project. He was—he really got his teeth into air combat and and uh, air defense, uh, but he was struggling at uh, low level. But you have to pass every aspect of the of the course, and the reason he struggled at low level was he'd done some of his training in the United States, where they'd only flown set routes in beautiful weather and and such like that so he wasn't used to flying in the UK where <laughs> you know the weather was always a bit dodgy so um but what he did was because of that he didn't use the correct techniques and the correct techniques that we use for uh, low-level navigation are it's on a work cycle so you have your map and there's the route what you don't do is thumb your way up the uh, up the map uh, like you might do on a road atlas, um, you look at what the next event is going to be and the next event might be six minutes away, it's a turning point. Well it's pointless looking at your map for six minutes because the turning point's 6, 7, 42 miles away, okay, uh, so you're not going to be able to see it. So the technique is, right, in five minutes I'm going to pick the map up again, you put the map away, you fly on heading, pick something to fly towards but now what you do with your head is you are looking out all over the place because there's tons and tons yeah. of aeroplanes and you're going to crash into them so he didn't look out he just wasn't he was so desperate to see the turning point that he never looked out and i think on a leg of four minutes i told him 12 times to look out and um uh, and he didn't and uh, as we went around the turning point we had a bit of a closer board with another hawk But that that happened all the time in in Wales. It was no big deal, but he didn't see that hawk. And I I think that was, uh, it just blew it for me then because I could see him failing the course Mm. and we wanted him on the front line. And so I grabbed control of the uh, aeroplane, barreled us up to 1,500 feet and just uh, uh, orbited around a bit. Oh my God, I, I went through him like a dose of salts. I mean, it was really? the worst bit of instruction I've ever done in my life. But I was so, I was so frustrated that he was he gonna fail. Well, yeah, yeah I, I think I even, you know, there's a blast screen between the front yeah. and back. I, I think I was even banging on the blast screen. Um, well, he dropped, we dropped into low level. I'd never seen lookout like it, Mike. His head was on an absolute <laughs> swivel, but we didn't we didn't a, certain, a single turning point or either of the targets, and he knew it was a failed uh, uh, a failed trip. But that th- I, I took control just born out of frustration because I just wanted him to do the right things, yeah. and uh, and and scrape through the low level phase, uh, the final attack phase, and he was going to go tornado F3, but he certainly wasn't going to go ground attack. I, and maybe he looked a little bit like I did through through training uh, in the end he went tornado f three um, and, and he was overjoyed with it, and so were we. his second tour uh, he got an exchange with the US Navy flying F-14s off the carrier.
0: How do you compare the RAF QFI system to the US if you have any details there? from that. I do
1: and, and don't, don't take it that I'm saying this because I'm RAF and therefore I'm invested in, in what we did. I, our training system is, is has always been world class, it's always been world leading uh, and I've seen a number of training systems, and I've been through the American uh, one myself. I went through the Navy and Marine Corps one. Um, ground school, the way we teach ground school, we have experts in front of you teaching the subjects. Um, my American experience at ground school was, I was sitting in front of a computer screen just clicking a mouse and uh, slideshows uh, with uh, audio tapes. I think I had two um, actual lectures in ground school for the whole of the f-18 oh, and hornet yeah it was <laughs> it, it just sucked the sucked the joy out of you uh simulator training exactly the same uh we had the same kind of concept that will put experts in simulators um so people that have flown the airplane hopefully or flown similar types so the uh, sim instructors at um uh Uh, El Toro where I went through the F-18 they were they were great they really were they were all reservists Um, but the actual flying training itself um, bearing in mind I was only on an OCU in the in the states for the F-18 it was torturously slow Um, it took forever to Mm. do the trips that I needed to do whereas traditionally our training system and OCUs are bang 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 now I, I, uh, I teach human factors to young aircrew coming into the Air Force now Some of those pilots are going across to the States to do um, a program called NJET Which I'm sure you've uh, you've heard of the European NATO fast jet thing at Shepard Air Force Base and they fly the um, Talon. Uh, Talon isn't it? it's like an F5 you know um, there the way they teach there I've heard is like old school 1980s RAF, oh, really? where people fail lots of trips. It's all very, you know, uh, disciplined and, and, and stuff like that. Whereas I think the RAF system has, has has morphed more into, you know, squeezing the most amount of juice out of an individual. How do we do that? Well, we don't do that by, you know, doing old school. Just shout at them and tell them they're crap until they get better. I, I do a disservice to uh, to it. That's a broad brush thing, yeah. but that's that's generally the two extremes that uh, that we're looking at. What would I take if I was going through it again? I'd take the RF system every every day of the year. It's why we uh, end up selling airplanes to other nations because it opens up our training system uh, uh, to them.
0: And we obviously have to talk about your new book. Tell us about this and where it came from, Doug.
1: Yeah. So I've. Um, uh, uh, flushed with the success of my first book and a little bit surprised that the publisher took it on thank you very much to font hill media <laughs> for um, like i said I, i'm pretty sure they didn't read the manuscript before they <laughs> dis, uh, decided to publish it um they asked if there were any more in the uh, that i could talk about so all i'm doing is i'm going through each of my tours and so the latest one now is confessions of a flying instructor i think it's due out in a couple of days um which will include those stories that uh, that I've just told, plus uh, a whole lot, a uh, whole lot more. Now, my um, my first book, Confessions of a Phantom Pilot. One of my mates described it as like an episode of men behaving badly. Um, so this one confessions of a flying instructor. I'm hoping people will see that I've actually matured quite a bit as a, as an aviator and a, and a person as well. You know, my first daughter was was born while I was a flying instructor, so that's that's going to change your life as uh, as well. But this one's I think it's uh, maybe a little bit more serious. There's still, you know, kind of funny stuff in there that we, that we got up to. But I I absolutely believe it's it's a bit more stark than the, you know, uh, I've uh, My ultimate confession in aviation is in that book, and that's when I almost killed myself through my own stupidity. So there's that, and then um, when I get round to it, I'll write Confessions of a Hornet Pilot, and you can see what it was like uh, being on exchange on the F-18. And then finally, Mike. Just for you, I will do confessions of a uh, tornado pilot. Need stuff. Tell you how rotten it was uh, flying that uh, flying that aeroplane. Yeah.
0: So, will it be available in hardback, Kindle? Audio? I
1: think uh, I think they uh, they do hardback and Kindle. Uh, uh, that's what uh, uh, that's what they do. I don't know we are doing. But, uh, maybe they'll get the bug and we'll do audio. I I, I don't know. That'll be uh, people keep asking me to do audio. Audio book. I'll I'll have a chat with them and see uh, see if we get that that going. But generally hardback and Kindle. And
0: that'll be available from uh, Amazon, and F- uh, Hill. Yeah,
1: the yeah. usual uh, usual stuff. I, did, I I was amazed when the first one came out. It was all over the place. Yeah, you know. Uh, so I was I was I was really chuffed uh, chuffed a bits with it. Yeah.
0: Well, Tug, thank you very much for coming back on the
1: show. Yeah, oh, pleasure. Great to see you again, Mike.